Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right, and welcome to another episode of Boots, Balls, and Bras podcast. I'm here with Farah Williams and Eartha Sawiti Pond, and today we have a really fun guest, someone that I've been watching for a while now that we all know. Her name is Deborah Nelson. You may have heard of her. She's a presenter and youth worker at Football Beyond Borders, which is an organization that uses football to engage young people who are disengaged at school. Deborah. What's going on? Welcome, good. welcome. <laughs> Guys, this is going to be, yeah, I'm saying it now. It's going to be the most energetic pod episode. Come on, oh, come, come on. on, come on. It has like. to be. If it's not, you, it lot, are, you lot have failed. <laughs> bring the vibes, bring the vibes. It's our fault. <laughs> it's our fault. What are you up to these days? Uh, well, currently uni's union. Um, so I'm at uni studying sociology, social anthropology. Nice. But the more exciting stuff is I am... Um, yeah, still on the ground working with young people, trying to make change, allow Ooh. football to become more accessible. You know, all the good stuff. Mm-hmm, um, and yeah, I've just been out there. I've had a lot of opportunities recently presenting, mm. developing my skills. But yeah, it's been fun. It's been an exciting year, to be fair. That's awesome. And you, you, know, know, you know, the cool thing about Deborah is that she's somebody that actually talking about school and engaging within school. It wasn't most engaged in school, but yeah, mm. you see how you just heard her say there, she's now in university studying. Mm. So big mm-hmm. transformation from her. So unbelievable. And now she's working with young kids, trying to give them the opportunity and encourage them to be educated, obviously using the tool of football. So mate, super impressive. Well, Can we just I'm do one more, one more, one more, one <laughs> more. And I think just to add to that, I think it's really important when you've had that experience, you can go in and you see where the gaps are and you can say, actually, mm this mm. is what might work or have you tried this and this is what worked for me or didn't work for me and having that lived experience is really, really important. So giving, I guess you talked about opportunities, but also real access to mm. be able to do the work is also really, really important. So yeah. I appreciate up. you guys. Big up. Big up your chest. Big up your chest. No, I love that. There's so many kids, like my sister had really big problems struggling in school and stuff. She just really didn't like it. And she's now a cinematographer, went way into the arts and, it's just the formal education system isn't necessarily fitting for everybody, is it? So football yeah. such a nice way to get kids educated in different ways, isn't no, it? No, definitely. And I feel like we have to get to a point in society where we understand that school isn't going to be the conventional way for everyone. Like mm-hmm. if I, like I used to get in trouble all the time for talking all the time and now, now I'm making money for talking. talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, respect me. Yeah. Like the other day, my head teacher reached out to me and was like, can you come back and do a presentation for us? And I was like, wow, like that's a moment where mm-hmm. I just had to sit back and I was like, cool, like this has been a transformative journey 
you guys wrote me off in the beginning, but I've now shown you different. And now I can actually provide you with a service. I can, and I can actually pass on my experiences to your students to now make your life better. Wow. Mm. Wild. So are, are, are they going to change their behavior policy that talking actually can benefit young people? So that's, that's what I'm going to go in and now say, we need you know? real change. <laughs> I'm going to be like, sir, do you remember when you told me to be quiet? Well, now look at me. <laughs> You're going to teach the presenting school soon. <laughs> Um, so we're going to throw you in because at 20 years young, you have a big, big future and you also follow the women's game. So we are going to get all your opinions on everything we're chatting about today with obviously more energy than what we have. Um, and the first topic we want to talk about is the UEFA Women's Champions League. What a start that was. Holy cow. <laughs> Farah, tell me. No, I mean, we're talking Leon. Arsenal away so an impressive start from Arsenal I think one I don't think the the women's football world was expecting in terms of the result I think we all assumed it was going to be a, a close a closer game um given the fact that Leon haven't conceded that many goals at home in in God knows how many years but I think the lineup from Jonas Idevel was it was impressive to leave Vivian Miedema out, yeah. out of the team you know for me you know, the best player in the women's game and a player that I certainly idolise and love watching. But I think the tactics work for him. They they put uh, Manum in centre mid to help out Kim Little and Volti and just made the midfield a little bit more aggressive. I think it allowed them to press and play a little bit more direct, um, which we haven't seen from Arsenal, but I think it really benefited them. And now the question is, when you go away to Lyon and you beat Lyon 5-1 without Miedema in your team, when you play against these big teams, now the question is, how important is she or not, not even important because she's hugely important to that team. But do you go and play these big teams without your most important player in order to get results? And it's something that I'd be debating with with, with you lot here today. Mm. But, but does that spur her on? Because she's already a GOAT anyway. So if she starts bringing it to the next level, what does that do <laughs> in terms of Arsenal? Because again, she's not necessarily upset, but she wants to play. She wants to be in the team. She wants to be available. And if she can't get in the team and she brings her levels up to another platform, then the league's done and dusted, right? And potentially we could have a an English champion again and what well, Arsenal, it will be Arsenal again. But I mm. think Miedemar is definitely a player who no one would leave. I think similar to the sort of Ronaldo situation, a player who's done so much on the pitch, you want them in your team playing. Um, and I think what I really like what Jonas did is if you're good enough and you're playing well, there's no reason for me to change it. So it's almost like that mindset that Serena had in the Euros that mm. actually people were like, oh, play other names. But again, it's not about the name on the yeah. back of the shirt. It's what is the team doing and how we want the results collectively. Mm. So yeah, that was really, really impressive from, from my end. Yeah, and the form of the players. Mm. What do you think, Deborah? It was an exciting game. I mean, yeah, I started watching it. I was like, it's going to be an interesting one. And yeah. then when Arsenal went, um, once they scored, I was like, wow, this is, we're changing the narrative already. Mm. And then seeing the end result of 5-1, I was just like, yeah, like you guys have said already, like if they're performing, you can't change it. You've got Beth Mead, like just throwing in free kicks, like crosses, everything. And then you've got Caitlin Ford just doing what Caitlin Ford does. Like, I think she was um, proper impressive. Uh, are you an Arsenal fan? I'm not, you know, but I feel like the world thinks I'm an <laughs> Arsenal fan. And what I fan think are you? Are, are you a fan? Of I'm a Chelsea fan. Oh, come, wow. on. Come, <laughs> on. Yeah. come on, I'm a Chelsea fan. Really? Yeah, yes. I am. I am. I am. You know, I am. You know, the, you know, we talk about Miedema because obviously then they went to the league game against Liverpool, and I know I'm jumping from Champions League, but they kept her out of the team. Mm -hmm. Actually, I was I was at that game, and 
The difference is you when were we doing did BBC, I weren't was, you? of course, you were BBC covering the game. Covering the game. Were you commentary, <laughs> doing commentary? I was. Did you listen? I did actually. Cool. I listened. I think the difference when Miedema plays in that team, if she plays as a ten, she's obviously not going to do the work that Manum does in there for, for the Arsenal team. If she plays as a nine, where Blackstinius plays, you need midfielders that are going to run beyond her because she likes to come in deep. So she's not going to play on the shoulder mm-hmm. like Black, Blackstinius yeah. did and run the channels for Arsenal. So you completely have to change your style of play when you have her in a team. And that was evident at the weekend against Liverpool. And then obviously you've got Beth Mead and, and Ford in both of them, equally impressive form mm-hmm. at the minute. Mm-hmm. And they're, for me, two players that can't be dropped within that team along with Kim and Volti. So it is that, you know, the t- nine and ten that Arsenal can play with a little bit. But other than that, their team and players are undroppable at the minute. Mm. I remember um, doing on the Players Podcast, I had her on with Kelly Smith, actually, Viv, I'm talking about. And she was saying she really doesn't like that number nine position. She doesn't like that striker position. I'm sure she's talked to you guys about it as well. She'd rather play a little bit deeper, as you said. And even when she plays a number nine, she often drops deep. And as you mentioned, you do have to accommodate for that. I just was so impressed by Manum, the Norwegian player. I thought she just played out of her skull. And she she played like she was a player that didn't get beaten 8-0 by England in the, mm-hmm. <laughs> in the women's Euros this summer, which Nor- Norway did, and who was a starting player for one of the top teams on the planet. And because you have her coming into the team and it felt like, you know, what Velti and Little in the middle were on fire everyone could just find the rhythm, find their pace. And you sort of didn't see Lotte with Moy, who hasn't had that much experience mm-hmm. with with Arsenal, really. And um, Catley coming into a centre-back position where she normally plays on on the, you know, on a back position. So I thought the just the fact that they were playing in a flow state was, I wouldn't have changed that team either. Would yeah, you I, I, think it's a, I think it's a good opportunity for her. I think there was a lot of talk and excitement from Arsenal when she signed, but there were so many other good players in the league. She never really had the opportunity to demonstrate what it is she can do. And I think this is a an opportunity for her to kick on, not just in Champions League, but also to kind of stake her claim in for league performances. I think she can be a, a real driving force, potentially, when Kim Little starts to transition out of the game, she's going to be really, really important for Arsenal in, in what they want to do in the future. So I'm mm. really excited to see how she continues those performances. And I think having the manager that she has, he'll breed confidence in her to be able to keep doing what she's doing. So, yeah. I think to bring that level for Manum, having been out of the team for so long, mm. I mean, you come in, you get thrown in, at the, not crazy. thrown in at the deep end, but players love playing yeah. against top opposition. But she hasn't but played, much, she hasn't played top, that much right? for Arsenal. Yeah. And she comes in against Lyon with an impressive performance. And then back-to-back, three days later, goes away yeah. to Liverpool, does exactly the same in terms of performance, and gets her goal, again. Yeah. And, and was really good. And I mean, we talk about Kim Little. Kim Little's not ready to retire anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> <laughs> no, she is driving this team. Like, I mean, her levels are just going up and up. And, mm-hmm. and maybe that's given the fact she's retired from international football. She can focus solely on Arsenal and the WSL and, and Champions League. But Kim Little in that team... She's just brought us uh, levels up, up to another level. Like I, f- I from, think from she the could play. That I know her to be. She's unbelievable. She could play for a very long time, but something tells me that when she's ready, she's she'll, just going to yeah, stop. Sure. She's yeah. not going to yeah. play, even though she'll be good enough to continue playing. She's that type of person and character. Like when she's made her mind up I'm and done. she's ready, then she's not going to drag it on. She's not she? going to drag it yeah. on. She'll just stop because she Make just, she, yeah, she just wants to stop. So, but yeah, as you said, um, amazing. And then obviously Chelsea. Doing what Chelsea does with or without Emma, I think yeah. again, like really, really important. Um, Millie getting the goal again. We talked, we've talked about Millie before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just just really excited to see the English teams doing well, and then 
Barca doing what Barca does. Like, <laughs> yeah. come on. Like, I think it just in terms of that like was, the, that Barca game, by the way, was nine zero against oh, Benfica, mate. the Portuguese team. Did you see? Like, they was just on it from the from the what beginning. What did you say? It was in the what? It was the first, first fifty, 50 seconds. seconds. Yeah, wild. Literally wild. And I think again, I think in terms of the results, there was no result that shocked me in terms of wins apart from Arsenal. Um, I think obviously with the injuries that could be expected. But I think everyone else across the piece who I'd expect to win those games did, but you have to do it on the night. So yeah, good to see that Chelsea were able to to bring those three points home as well. Especially yeah. at PSG. Mm-hmm. That is such a hostile place to go. Mm. The fans there are just, you know, I don't know if you've ever played out in France, but when you go away, there was an away team. It is hard to go yeah. and play and, and PSG fans, you know, they have a really good following. So it is difficult. They stick your your fans up right in the top where you can't hear them. And, and there was some travelling Chelsea fans and mm-hmm. you've seen at the end of the game, but that's a great result. One nil away yeah. to PSG without their, their manager. Um, a great result for Chelsea. Brings them back. They've got a midweek game in the Champions League as well now. And just looking at the two English teams playing against the two French teams, obviously winning. Do you think that there's a tide change right now in the women's game with English coming out in, French mm. moving to the I side like, of it. Yeah, like growing up, it was always like Champions League would always be dominated by the French, like PSG, Lyon. Yeah, it was always even Barca sometimes. But then I feel like now off the back of the Euros, now there's like an added pressure onto these English teams to be like, we need to actually showcase that we can do something. We, yeah, like we've managed to do it on the international stage, but now it's about whether we've actually got the players on a club level that can actually now demonstrate and show that unity, show that power and just dominate the Champions um, Champions League and just, yeah, showcase that we can actually do it as a English side. And I think it'll be exciting. Like imagine yeah. the vibes if, if Chelsea or Arsenal bring it home. <laughs> Party all night. <laughs> wow. We're coming to your house. <laughs> I'm going to Arsenal. I know Farrah and Deborah's going to Chelsea. Now I think so Arsenal changed? look strong in Europe. I think Arsenal look strong in Europe. I think, the you know, certainly after seeing them the other day, Earth, I didn't think, we saw early last season with Arsenal in the opening game against Chelsea when they played more direct mm-hmm. and everybody, and, and me included, was raving about, you know, a different style. They were mixing it up a little bit. And then they reverted back to what they know. And that was, you know, possessing the ball, playing through the thirds and trying to play possession-based football. I actually think when I seen them against Leon, where they were more direct, they can be so, mm-hmm. so hurtful so to opposition. Honestly, because yeah. if you think of, of their front line in Blackstinius and as I said, Ford and, and Mead, the pace and power, once they're beyond the back line, is frightening. So I think they need to use that tool a lot more, certainly in Europe. Maybe they don't have to in the, in the WSL, but I think they, in Europe, if they use that more, mm. they could uh, they could go a lot further than I first predicted. Yeah, and it's certain, it's the Swedish style a bit as well, isn't it, from Jonas Eidevalk bringing mm-hmm. it in a bit more direct. Um, has this changed our predictions for Champions League winners? You're going from Wolfsburg, Wolfsburg. to no, they got Arsenal? a good win and they got a good win in the in the league as well. So no, yeah. I'm still mm. Wolfsburg. No, I'm not going yeah, out. Still Wolfsburg. All right. Yeah, yeah, Wolfsburg good. beat St. Polten 4-0 as well. Yeah, we're still we're still Champions keeping league. we're still keeping the winners. We're just saying well done, Arsenal okay. and Chelsea yeah. in right. terms of performances. <laughs> I think right. love, you're still going with Barca. I'd love nothing more than a WSL team, whether it be Arsenal or Chelsea. Obviously, Chelsea is more my preference because yeah. they're the team I support. But either of them representing the WSL is important yeah. for us and, and our game in terms of growing it. And yeah, I think whoever wins it, if one of them was to win it, I'd be happy either way. Definitely. Who's going to win, Deb? Chelsea. She's under pressure. I don't know. They're, <laughs> paying, they're paying her. She's under pressure. There's no way it's going to be Chelsea. It's definitely going to be Barcelona. And I, I think for me, just the, the sort of next set of games I'm looking forward to is Madrid PSG. That game is going yeah. to be 
Lively and Juve Leon, I think those in terms of the next set of games, them two games are, I'm excited in seeing how, how they pan out. But mm. then the Bayern-Barcelona game. All right, moving on to the Barclays WSL, the league here in England. Talking points from this last weekend were, again, Arsenal v Liverpool. That was interesting decision to keep Miedema on the bench, Manum on the pitch, uh, and you were covering that game. Did you? Was there anything else you wanted to say or you thought that was interesting about that game? No, I think we were waiting to see whether Miedema would have come back into the team. She obviously didn't and Arsenal dominated the game. Um, I just thought they were clinical. I think Liverpool frustrated them early on. They played with a high press. Arsenal found it hard to play through that. But once, as I said, they went direct, a little bit more direct and got beyond the Liverpool back, back line. It really punished them and, and Ford in particular was impressive. Um, and they've gone 10 games on the bounce now with 10 clean sheets and it's 12 wins. So they're equaling their own and Manchester City's record of 12 straight wins in the Nice. Barclays FAWSL. Oh, I just had to get that in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're just going to scoot on for that because I'm just going to grab the link from Man City. And I think, I think Man City must be listening to our podcast because they're not being in the top three predictions. I think they've just kind of said, okay, yeah. they, 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 kind of, they kind of doubt us. And we've seen the 3-0 win and, and Bunny Shaw again. We talked about the sort of CONCACAF representation and she's taken that by the scruff of the neck. I think mm. potentially top goal scorer. Did they beat see- your team that was going to finish third? in this season did they the beat f- Tottenham was that the team that you were saying oh, oh. Bits knew what I was talking about the top yeah, because you know when you have a layer cake did like victorious bun and there's like a bit at the bottom so yeah moving on swiftly Man City um, 3-0 Bunny Shaw again in terms of when we talk about representation I think it, it's great to see someone from the CONCACAF which is not talked about quite a lot um, and yeah she's doing the thing like using her head on the floor I don't know if anyone her second to- goal yeah, was so was honestly crazy. the second goal for for Bonnie Shaw, the way she worked back, nicked the ball, got a one-two. Yeah. It was just a touch, and and she hit it so early. Mm. Before Becky well, Spence had no chance to save the power behind it from distance. I mean, I know people would too, talk yeah. about it being from distance on mm. the floor, yeah. but I think because she's hit it so soon, keeper's got no t- time to set her feet and and even get down to save it. And she was impressive. I mean. Bonnie Shaw, no one spoke about her. About you know, since say, Ellen White leaving, no one spoke about goals, who's going to be the goal scorer at Manchester City. Mm-hmm. Actually, if you think about the amount of goals, she got into double figures last year as a, a part, I'm saying a part-time player. She was only yeah. used half of the games because mm-hmm. of Ellen White. She was mainly used as a substitute. So, you know, her first season as the number nine, the number one striker for Manchester City, she's already top goal scorer in the Barclays mm. FAWSL. Yeah. So. And, and before before she went to City, is she a player that was on sort of anyone's radar? Anyone heard of her? Yeah, before? I did. Yeah, I was telling Kelly Chambers to sign her, but there was a the whole complication around not being able to sign players on the international oh, if right. they haven't played a certain okay. amount of international games because she was. I mean, I remember seeing her for for Jamaica. I can't yeah. remember what tournament or. We probably can't go. I'm Conga. not sure. And I was, I was like, this girl, we need to sign her. Nobody knew about her. Mm-hmm. And Kelly attempted to sign her, and uh, yeah, it, it failed miserably <laughs> <laughs> because I think it was the fact that you have to play a certain percentage of international fixtures or within Europe. So mm-hmm. yeah, there was all that complications, and then yeah. obviously Man City uh, got their hands on her. And they they were good. I was at that game, and it was a lovely sunny day randomly in October in England. But um, yeah, I thought Man City actually looked really decent in that game. It was the first time I'd seen them and thought. They're, they're really clicking. They really look good. Their defense looked solid. Um, you know, Chloe Kelly, obviously, and uh, Lauren Hemp were just, yeah, they were doing their thing, which I hadn't really seen them with the confidence that they were playing since the Euros, but they looked really good. Um, 
Any other games? What do you think, Deb? Uh, did you watch any of the games? Did you were you interested in any of them? Watched the Chelsea Brighton game. Yeah, it was a nice game. Um, I feel like yeah, the pitch did us dirty, but we still managed to come up on top. And I think yeah, just seeing the team still play and perform, even though Emma's not there, mm. is that real testament to the unity and uh, the trust and the skills that she's embarked on them, and them just being able to like go out there, still perform, still what they need, do what they need to do. Um, but I think that's just what happens when you've got a team that is solid um, and that's going to go and win the league, hopefully. Fingers a lot of changes as well in that Chelsea team against Brighton. I was surprised mm. at the amount of changes that Emma and the team had made. I know they'd just returned from a, a trip to PSG and they obviously have Champions League today, mm. or this evening, so it, it's difficult. But yeah, they had Harder and Kerr both on the bench. So they, they made a lot of, a lot of changes. And, and Deborah, you talk about the, the state of the pitch and Chelsea being able to get the result out. Farrell, Chelsea's pitch at Beaconsfield. Like, oh this is, if we talk about pitches, Chelsea's been pulling out results from on, days <laughs> on, on pitches worse than that, right? Yeah. So for years, yeah. I mean, the, I, mean I, I guess the players now get used to playing on the perfect pitch, mm-hmm. but yeah, the pitches in the women's game certainly over the years have been <laughs> woeful. <laughs> what was your worst? Uh, I, I don't even know. Probably Wally Old Park. In Everton, just playing on a field. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, the, the Everton pitch... Um, Marine. Marine. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was horrendous. But it was great for us because the likes of Arsenal, when they used to come and play against uh, us, yeah. and, you know, back Disrupt then it was Everton passing. and Arsenal, yeah. the two teams. And, yeah, they hated coming there. It was a horrible stadium for the for the travelling yep. uh, teams to come to. I think one other result that sticks out, I think Man City, the 1-0 the win, grinding, Man United, Man United sorry, yeah. grinding out that 1-0 win, Nikita getting on the score sheet. Against Leicester City. Against Leicester and Mary Drake Earps was on, <laughs> on, on it again. Like, she oh, was. Mate, trust she me, was. Like, she's listening to this podcast, I'm telling you, because <laughs> she... She will now, that's she, Well, she definitely is, man. She is moving like, have you seen Mary Earps moving like Drake? Like, honestly, like, her performances, <laughs> like, t- she's like, I'll just show you, like... Tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah. No, no? she's performing. No, she I, honestly, the confidence she had going into the tournament, I think I think the whole England being given number one, as you know, certainly in terms of her confidence levels, is just, she's always been a confident goalkeeper. I've, mm-hmm. I've played I've played with her and she's always believed in her own ability. It's just getting an opportunity and I think and that trust from managers. And I think Serena give her that and, and now she's playing not just England back, but Man United in, in, in that trust with her performances. And and does that help in terms of obviously Man United's got quite a few England players in their squad? Do they also sort of bring that into training as well? And I guess say, yeah, you are, you are the best, like not only at like international level, but at club level. And you're going to be like a driving force in us if we are going to be successful this season. Do, do they have those conversations? I don't I mean, I don't they know. were outskirt players, weren't they, previous mm. to the women's Euros? And then you've seen because of that tournament, they really they're solid key lionesses, aren't they? So mm-hmm. it feels like there's a, a major shift in that team for me when you watch them and the confidence um, that they have, and yeah, even even though they only beat Leicester City one zero or zero one, it still felt like they were always in control of that game. For me, there was never doubt. What about you, Man United? Yeah, it was a solid game, but I think what you were saying around just that how there's so many England players, surely they just yeah transform or like the relationship that they have on camp and in the England team, they just take that into club teams, right? So they're just like always, they're already a unit. They've already got that relationship. And I feel like relationships is such a key part to being able to perform. But also just on Mary Earth, so you lot seen her TikTok game? No, what's she, what's, she, what's she doing? She's on it still, she's got a solid TikTok game. What are you saying? She's, got, she's coordinated. 
Yeah, oh, Mary, was... you're coordinated. <laughs> <laughs> that, didn't, that didn't sound great, but we have to, we'll have to look it up. So not dancing then, or what is it? No, she's dancing, she's doing all of it. Yeah, yeah all of it, yeah. Uh, yeah. Do okay, you want to get in on some of the action? No, no, I can't <laughs> do that. <laughs> <laughs> My young people would grill me. Yeah, <laughs> this is what you don't understand, like you can't, especially when you work with young people in schools and stuff, you will become a meme overnight. <laughs> if you step into the wrong space, they will there, yeah, they will have you chewed up. So yeah, note to self, don't don't go don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. Don't, don't do TikTok. Don't do TikTok. <laughs> don't do so TikTok. you don't do TikTok? No, I haven't got time to do TikTok. <laughs> yeah. But Farrah does TikTok. Are you mad? <laughs> no, no, thank you. I'm alright. I don't even watch that stuff. Oh, I'm good. cool. <laughs> okay moving right along all right so this coming weekend we have reading versus leicester city none of them have a point yet in the league thoughts on that that's going to be a huge battle as a former reading player Farah, i think it's a big game both teams struggled to pick up points i think leicester have probably had uh, more difficult fixtures in the opening uh, to the league but yeah i think that's a big game for both teams and they'll be looking at that game to pick points up from. Um, it will probably be between those two teams and maybe one other to fight that relegation. So these are points that they'll be thinking they need to pick up. Does it make you sad too as a former Reading player that they're in that situation now? Yeah, because I know how good the coaching is there. I know the level of, of the, 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 the coaching staff there and obviously the players that I went in when I signed there, the, the, the color, and I'm not saying that they don't have the same calibre, but certainly when I look at it and what I went into to what, what is there now is probably not on the same level and it's you know for the club and I guess for Kelly and, and Phil the two coaches it must be frustrating because as I say they come up with unbelievable game plans we've seen the other week against Arsenal only yeah. losing 1-0 um, it's just difficult because it's just that little bit of quality that they lack even though game plans are, are really good and yeah we'll see yeah, yeah just, just to add to that I think they're maybe like f two or three good players Big away team. from not necessarily going on and dominating in the league, but picking up points where, mm. where maybe like against West Ham at the weekend, like that three-two, like coming back, they might have nicked a draw. Mm. So I think in terms of the survival and building um, back up after losing players such as Farrah, obviously Harding's gone, and and other players, I think in terms of a couple more players will allow them to be able to deliver what the coaching staff want them to do and do it effectively and consistently. Um, so yeah, Rose is a big losser for them. She was Rose. Yeah, yeah. General, she was a she's a massive Canadian. She, I mean, in terms of an outlet and, mm -hmm. and somebody that would score goals in transition yeah. with the speed that she has. Yeah, she's done her she's done her Achilles and and so she's out. So that that is a massive mm. loss for them because in terms of the pace in that front line yeah. in, in transition when you don't have much of the ball, it's. I was gonna say because they big haven't blow. lost big. They've lost three two, like you said, West Ham and just by one goal to mm. Arsenal and Man United. And those are big teams. Mm -hmm. You know, they can they have the potential to blow away teams and they didn't uh, mm. to Reading. So yeah, it's probably that offensive power that they're missing. All right, so I think it's time for our halftime team talk. And this month is Black History Month, as you probably all know. But Eartha, as a black woman making waves and causing trouble in women's football, over to you to lead this one. Thank you. I think it's it's a, a long time coming in terms of conversation. I think Black History Month sometimes is a sort of tick box exercise, but I think here on the pod we're, we're really keen to shine a light on, I guess, some of the great players that we've played against, played with or admired from from afar. And I think what's really important, actually, first thing I wanted to ask is, is anyone who identifies as BAME around the 
table anybody I mean, I would never check it on a, you know, application, but I do have part Maori in me, but that I don't think counts. But I am quite proud of my Maori heritage, which you can't necessarily see unless I go into the sun and turn very dark. <laughs> Amazing. No, I, ju I, just, I just say that because a lot you of- You didn't raise your hand, Deb. Well, I don't necessarily believe in the term beam. I think it's very like, oh, yeah black and ethnic minority like minority ethnic like for me doesn't capture who i am and my essence i identify as a black woman therefore i would be like to i would like to be referred to as a black woman because that is my identity so therefore ticking a bane box to me doesn't really capture my essence my heritage the journey that everyone's been on so therefore i ref i refrain from referring to myself as a bane woman Amazing. And, and, and I just say that because a lot of the time where we're working with, I guess, national governing organisations and, and big clubs, they type, they tend to club women together under one sort of umbrella. So I think it's really important to celebrate, I guess, during Black History Month, black women. And I guess I'm going to kick it off in terms of uh, someone that I really looked up to um, was a player called Sissy from Brazil. Mm. Do you remember Sissy? I remember no? Sissy. So Sissy was shaved for me, her head. Shaved her head. She was like the women's version of Roberto Carlos. She was so bad. She was like left footed. She played, I think, midfield number ten. So before Marta, mm. there was Sissy. Yep. And I guess for me, looking at a, a idol from as a player in England, there wasn't really anyone apart from Rachel Yankee, who I already. I don't know if I even thought she was an idol because she lived locally to me. Mm. She went to the same school <laughs> as my sister. It was just like, oh, it's just Rachel. That's Whereas fun. like for someone who I wanted to to be like other than Ryan Giggs, it was like <laughs> Sissy from Brazil. Like she scored free kicks, like she defended, she was up and down the pitch. And actually I have a, a well, I don't know if it's a funny story, but uh, remember Loughborough had the player center where loads of girls went to play in terms of development. And one of the interview questions was, who's your idol? Like, who mm. do you want to be like? And I was like, Sissy from Brazil. And then, <laughs> and, different from Jenny from yeah, the block, I guess. Different yeah. from Jenny okay. from the block. And the, and the, the recruiter was like, isn't it Rachel Unit? I was like, no. It, I was like, no, it's Sissy from Brazil. And she's like, are you sure you don't want to change your answer? I was what? like, no, no, it's Sissy from Brazil. <laughs> and to say, I, I never got in, by the way. Um, but I don't know if that was it. But it was like, okay, this is who I saw. This, These mm. were the players who played similar positions. These are the players who I wanted to emulate in terms of, I guess, progressing from domestically to the world stage. So yeah, she was something someone I looked up to and... I don't know if you played against her or saw her on a sort of international stage, Bex. Yeah, no, I never played against her. I was too, a little bit too young, but she definitely, it was like Sissy, um, Sun Wen, and Mia Hamm were sort of the three that I always looked up to. But uh, I think it was the 99 World Cup. 99 World Cup, When yeah. they were in the US and I had watched some of the games live, actually. I was at the final, obviously, but then some of the semifinals, some of the other games. I remember seeing her and thinking, man, she was... She was just amazing how she moved, wasn't she? she was, it was like a whole different vibe with the Brazilians. Before, like, she was literally the Roberto Carlos yeah, of, of she women's was. football. She was doing some great stuff. Yeah, and we, we did play Brazil a few times in my career. You did too, didn't we? In the in the Olympics, I yeah. want to say, London yeah, Olympics. Okay. They were in our group. Mm -hmm. And they're just, they're such a fun team to play against because you, ne first of all, you never know what you're going to get with them. They're just like vibe the whole way through 90 whatever plus minutes. Mm -hmm. 
but they would always sing in the tunnel and dance. And if you happen to be unfortunate enough to be staying in the same hotel as them, <laughs> which we did many times in my career, including the men's the national team where we met Ronaldinho and all those guys, they're just so loud. They have the drums. They like don't sleep. <laughs> they bring uh, the vibes. You, you literally wonder how they can perform on the pitch when they're just like drum playing drum songs and dancing all night in the hotel. Yeah, but yeah. Amazing player. Amazing vibes. Um, Farah, anyone for you? Any pioneers? Anyone growing up? You know, it's mad because obviously growing up where I grew up in, in Battersea, we, it was a multicultural estate. You know, everybody, we seen everybody as the same. And, and so when you think of black, white or, or whatever else, it's like, I remember going to a tournament earth and I brought my youth club along and a couple of the girls and there were some black players there and obviously white players. And I, I remember seeing her for, with, with her girls and... <laughs> <laughs> the first thing Earth said, and, and I didn't really know too much about the women's game. I was very young, and and Earth, no, we was like, it was like under. I mean, we was probably under twelve. I can't remember. It was really young. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember the age. Yeah. And Earth was like, and obviously Rachel Yankee, as she mentioned there, for her was somebody that the, the girl next door because she grew up with her, so mm. probably didn't see her as, as who she was. But she actually said, remember you saying to me, Earth, oh, that's Rachel Yankee. Like, do you know who she is? And I'm like, no. And Rachel had these little dreads, and I'm like, you know, half thinking because you you remember Rachel used yeah. to say like she used to try and be more boyy so that yeah, she could play yeah. in the boys team, and she did have these little dreads. And I'm like, girl, but like like is she a girl boy, whatever? Like, mm-hmm. and obviously she goes on to do great things and represents you know the, the the black culture in terms of the England game. But I mean, when you think of like Hope Powell, she's somebody that for me that certainly coming through the game was somebody that I looked up to it was a, a fantastic role model for me certainly encouraged me in the game gave me my first opportunity as an England player um, but I grew up in a as I say in an England team earth you know where in terms of the the mix there of, of culture it, it was it was it was evident mm. there was a, a lot of that so I was quite lucky and fortunate to have you know we had mixed role models around us and and for the younger generation to to see nowadays in the England team it's certainly a lot different uh, a lot less of that in terms of being able to see it um but yeah uh, for you is probably my um the, if, if we're talking about somebody like a, a black woman yeah Erfa was the one I used to idolize Erfa. Erfa, me and Erfa, no, it's true. But for the reason, but for the reason, I mean, obviously we've grown up now together. But in terms of like, Erfa was the one where like she loved skills, and Erfa introduced me to wanting to do like freestyling. And I remember like us as kids, and Erfa, every skill like I'd, we'd, we'd go to train. She, I've got a new skill for you. I've got a new skill. And we'd practice all the time, <laughs> even to the point that we actually got on a football show. <laughs> On the ball, it was called. It was an ITV. It was on a Saturday morning, and we was on the advert for that. But if it wasn't for Erfa and like her, honestly, I love for the game and, and wanting to be like a show off, the Brazilian style oh, yeah. like show off. <laughs> you want to be CC then I wouldn't, the block, I wouldn't yeah. have been that person. Like, yeah. and it, and it was. And and as I say, like we did so much together in terms of growing up with football earth we've done I, crazy like we do you know and you introduced funny. me to so many different as I say different teams football people yeah. um, we, we used so, to yeah. even bring that into actual games so it'd be like I'll score from a corner yeah. like, I'm going to score from the next corner yeah. like, we used to, used to challenge ourselves Mad, in it within yeah. actual fixtures where we're not obviously following any tactics we're yeah, like nah, the young we're just, kids like, yeah. that are just playing around and not playing around because actually we were good enough to we wanted to it. win all the time we but we, the time. our challenge was what <laughs> can you do in the game exactly. Earth would do the honestly I can't even tell you the craziest moves Earth would yeah. do on the pitch that like you would not get away with now <laughs> and she didn't care to do it like as a left back like, I mean, she's doing rainbow flick. What, you call it the rainbow flick now. It weren't called that back in the day. I can't remember what we used to call it. But she made the name. Step overs, step yeah, overs in the box. And, yeah, Earth I, used to do craziness. I don't, I don't really see it in terms of 
the box. It's just it's still the pitch. Whether you're in your six yard box or you're mm. at the top, you can still yeah, man. Take do risk. your take yeah, take easy. risk. Take risk and exactly. And <laughs> Bex, I guess for, I guess for you, from an international point of view, who was it from? I guess your side of the pond um, that you were kind of seeing in terms yeah. of black players. Yeah, uh, Brianna Scurry was the goalkeeper for the US Women's National Team in 99 when they had that crazy penalty shootout. Mm. Um, and so she was kind of the black player. And I think growing up, there, were, there weren't there were that many. And even you mentioned Rachel Yankee, you know, and it, it sounds how it sounds, but she was pretty much, when, when we were playing, the only mixed race black girl on the team or black player. And yeah, looking back, you think, oh yeah, that is so interesting that you have that as as like you identify them as someone that is representing mm -hmm. a whole heap of a lot of people, but really is just one of the entire team. And, and I think that bit's like really important because I think black people, I mean, people think that black people are a monolith, so they're just one type of people. I think yeah. if you look at South London, if you look at West London, if you look at East, like it's completely different wherever you go. So it's important to capture those different essences and the nuances that's needed to maybe engage a player or what inspires a player. And then when you take it even further, like across the UK. So like I remember Nikita saying when she came from mm. Liverpool to Arsenal, she was like, she thought it would just be like so diverse, like how it is in L1 or wherever she is. She mm, was just mm, so mm. disappointed mm. in terms of the lack of diversity around the game. So I think it's really important to be able to capture those voices and see what's really important. Um, I don't know about you, Deborah, from South. Yeah. Like South is like carnival every single day. Like so, <laughs> like in terms of engaging, there's so much other things going on. I think that was the only place during lockdown where you go out and it's like everything was just normal. Everywhere else was like tumbleweed. You go to South London, there's speaker boxes. Come on, things are just going going on. Um, so how, I don't know how it was for you. Was there anyone from your point of view? No, I feel like there was obviously players on yeah playing at the elite level that inspired me but I think your story Farah around how Eartha inspired you like for me right now the inspiration really comes from the young people that I meet mm. on a daily basis mm. like because I think yeah like I remember growing up football wasn't like when I thought about football it was literally primarily playing like mm. I didn't really my mind and my vision of the game was just be like my school pitch then it became became um, my local football field then it became a, a team but before that it was like I didn't think about women's teams women playing professionally like that wasn't really my world and then also football wasn't really watched in my house so it was very limited um, but then I remember I went on my first trip to Boreham Wood and I was like my mind was blown I was like wow these are actually play but then also it was really interesting because the pitch was very like it wasn't too distant from the pitch that I was playing on for my Sunday league, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, wow, like, this is quite interesting. Like, obviously, compared to now, young girls are seeing Arsenal play at the Emirates, for example. Right, like, right. now the dream is, like, the dream dream. Whereas for me, it was like, oh, like, Bournemouth's a bit out, like, it's out there. But I was like, this is just a normal pitch mm. kind of thing. So the dream didn't really feel like a tangible... It felt tangible, but also didn't feel worthwhile, if that makes sense. Because uh. I was like, the pitch looks so similar. So I was like, what actually is... Oh, uh, yeah special about this game if you know what I mean so I feel like in that aspect it's gone a long way it's mad you say that when, like mm -hmm. if we fall like that yeah. like it, when I was growing up I was like of course we always wanted to play football yeah, yeah but without yeah. it even being 
a professional women's team when we was growing up, but we thought we're going to go and play at Wembley in an FA Cup. We just, we thought about it, but never thought how it was ever going to happen, like whether it be on the men's team as I always used to think she was going to play behind <laughs> Ryan Giggs. But I always used to think I'd play for Chelsea and I never knew whether that was Chelsea men or women mm. in an FA Cup final, but I always, that was something that I wanted to do. But mm. for you to say it so young mm. and still feel like you didn't even feel like there was that dream there until like probably now yeah. where you're in a, in a different um space in terms of what you're doing your role uh, yeah with with the young young people coming through it's mad that yeah yeah but then also on your point around just like the idea of black women just being put in like this one box like I remember saying that I think it was when the England team got released and there was like no black players or like no players of color on the team sheet and then all of a sudden Ebony got put onto it Mm. and I was like for me that was the biggest insult because I was like we're complaining about the lack of diversity on this team mm-hmm. and you guys have felt like you can just put a mixed race lady onto the team and be like, cool, we've ticked the box of diversity for everyone. Mm-hmm. But my whole thing is that there is this thing of for so long it has just been, or like, for example, I remember going on to, um, to Boreham Wood and seeing um, Danielle Carr and I was like, oh, there's actually like, a dark-skinned woman on the mm-hmm. team because for so long it was always just mixed-race women and I was like, but that isn't my lived experience mm-hmm. because when you think about it, like I've on my journey of playing football, there's been so many times where I've been like, cool, like there might have been a mixed-race woman on the team, but then it was always her white parent that would be doing the yeah. drop-offs or doing the mm-hmm. investing into yeah. her passion. I was like, so your story still doesn't reflect my journey because... Mm-hmm. It was my black mum that was the only woman of colour on the sideline who was trying to go above and beyond. Mm -hmm. And even that was a journey, even that was a push. But I feel like there is this acknowledgement that just because like the journey for a mixed race young girl to make it to the elite level is very different to the journey of a dark skinned woman making it to the elite Mm. level. And do, and obviously you're talking from your own experience. Is that something that you find in terms of the young people that you also work with? Are they telling you the same sort of things or is it, uh, do they have a different experience? Yeah, I remember oh, it was the maddest conversation, but just before the Euros, um, yeah, we were sitting down and we were like going through, watching old highlights with a, one of my groups of girls. And there was this young lady um, who is a dark skinned girl. And she was like, but none of these players look like me. And then, but Nikita Paris was on the team. And I was like, for Mm. you to be able to say that you don't feel connected to this England team, even though there is now technically Mm. what the FA or England, whatever would say is a diverse team because there's a a player of color on the the pitch and you're still saying you don't identify with that young lady, then there's an issue and it still happens. I feel like everyone's quick to be like, cool, like, they're from the same background or they've got half the same heritage or whatever, but it's like young people are socially aware. And I feel like as a society, we write off young people so quickly. We're like, they're not aware. Like they won't notice this, da, da, da. But teenagers are so socially, like they've got, so, oh, my tongue's getting, my words no, are getting confused. But um, as in like, they pick up on things. Mm-hmm. They understand things. Like they're vocal. They understand when things aren't right they feel unjust and I feel like we have to recognize that and have conversations and be like cool we're willing to own this like we can't just be like cool we've got a mixed race woman on the team sheet we've ticked the box we've solved diversity forever kind of thing and and I think just to kind of bring it on a little bit obviously you talked about mixed heritage you talked about 
colorism and, and mm. having a dark representative. I think if we just kind of look back at the timeline, um, Emma Clark, which mm. I know is quite a, a new thing for a lot of people as yeah. apparently the first black female um, footballer here in the UK back born in 1876. She lived in Boot also up it, up north. Scalsa. Um <laughs> And made her debut in 90, 1895, uh, I think she was, and she was described as the fleet-footed dark girl. So Jeez. this is how this is how it was kind of presented in, in order to sort of find the history and see where the games come on. And then we had, I remember Kerry Davis, because mm-hmm. I remember in school. Um, Everyone spoke about her, mate. Yeah, goal Kerry scorer. Davis, goal, top mm. goal scorer. Well, she's still top. She's still now, right? So she's top three. I think yeah, she's third she's now. After but I'm Ellen. talking when she played in the league, she was like... Yeah, so she was at Liverpool and then came down to mm. Croydon. So I think I make, mainly came across her because she played in London. Mm-hmm. I think she played with Hope. Yeah, and, Hope and all them. And Hope Powell. Hope Powell, mm. uh, Brenda. Brenda Sampari. Brenda Sampari was meant to be a player. So whenever yeah. you speak to Hope, like Hope was a baller. Mm-hmm. Like, let me tell you, she was unbelievable. And every time I speak to Hope, like about being one of the best England players out there, yeah. she always refers to Brenda Sampari as the best ever. So mm. I'd love to, she's like, you need to watch some videos on this That's woman. Cool. So I'd love to see some videos. Brenda Sampari is meant to be the one earth so yeah i i, I always awesome. rem- i always remember i guess maybe i was just a bit geeky in terms of like trying to find mm-hmm. black players so i always remember hope i always remember deborah i always remember sammy britain sammy britain uh Kame walker like Kame, these are all the, these, these are all these are all the players who like played in the league so almost i'd look for examples of black players in our league where were they what clubs were they at um, and what they were actually doing, whether it was at an international level or, or just on a domestic level, for, for me, it was really important. Natasha, to... mate, you even give her a shout out. Che- our captain at Chelsea, oh, come Natasha, on. Natasha, yeah. Go yeah. on, you, you, you can big up Tasha, no, come just on. Saying, no, she was our captain mm-hmm. at Chelsea. And, and even other than Erfa, she was the only other black player within the Chelsea setup at the time, right? Mm-hmm. But she was, yeah, and again, she was a dark Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So like, player. So, yeah. Other but, than any, any Ola Aluka and, and Anita Asante, I can't mm-hmm. remember there being, mm-hmm. as you say, a, another representation of, of that yeah I, I certainly think, in an international setup do, do you know what it is for me especially just talking around the s- sort of black players in the game and going up to an elite level from youth football and I, I'm sure when you used to play us when you was at Chelsea and I was at Arsenal there were so many we had Anita oh, Sante we yeah. had Alex Scott we had Rochelle Shakes we there had, was loads there was so many so players many. so for me as a default they'll transfer into women's football and I think as we went further up the league like for Fulham, there was Yanks, there was mm-hmm. Sancho, yeah, San- Duncan, yeah. who, who played there. Mm-hmm. There was Una, who, yeah. who represented, oh, yeah, striker. Um, yeah. who represented England as well. But for me, it's about okay, how do they inspire that next generation? I think there's a generation that's been lost of Massively, players. Because yeah. um, you, you say lost, because that? what I'm saying lost is that I'm looking. I'm looking. I've just been with the 23s, the, the England under 23s last year, and when you talk about you know black women representation, there's not one in in the under 23 mm-hmm. squad. I don't think there's anyone in the 20 squad that yeah. ended at 18. So when you think of that, the next group of players that are coming through and you talk yeah. about the young girl that says she actually doesn't identify with somebody in that national team, she probably won't for a while now mm-hmm. because actually the next crop of players coming through, there is no uh, no way to identify why with. Why is that? Why why do we not have that? Because it came up a lot during the Women's mm-hmm. Euros, but I didn't really hear anything that was really actively felt like it was a solution. Yeah, I think just not a lot of work has been done in terms of capturing it. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it, it's a piece that still needs to be done. Um, I think, again, it would be wrong for me to kind of say this is the one reason 
again, you have to get that open response and that, that feedback from those players. You have to engage with that community who they'll be able to tell you why they felt a certain way or why something hasn't happened. And I think something like, for example, this weekend, we was at the Black Footballers Partnership hosting an event at Parliament. Nice. Um, and again... Big up able- Eartha for organising that, by the <laughs> way. She's just, she's just like putting, just dropping a little bit, but that, no. that's a big thing for like the women's no, game and sport in general. Well, do you want to tell us there? more about I want to talk about that. Yeah, no, we have tell these. us what it was. It was just a room full of, yeah, yeah, game changers, basically. People that are willing to take this conversation forward. I feel like, Eartha, we've had multiple conversations where you've just been like, cool, people are saying... Yeah, they want to change policy, but then not going and actually making those actions. And I feel Don't like that. Don't tell room, me, show me. Because at the end of the day, that is what it comes to, right? Like mm-hmm. those people were in the room. Hopefully they will now take action. But I feel like it was about, there's been so many conversations where, yeah, these corporates or whoever have brought in a couple of individuals to have this conversation and have this conversation for a whole community. Whereas actually this event was every single person that has an influential impact on the game mm-hmm. came together in one room and was like, actually, no, we don't need these corporates to help us make these moves. Like mm-hmm. we can do it as a collective. As long as we all come together, we have a common goal and we know what we want to change, we can do it together. And I feel like that was so powerful for me because I was like, if one person's going to this corporate company or this person's working on their own thing, mm-hmm. then we're all trying to change so many different things. But it's like, but where do we have that sense of unity? Where do we then have mm. that sense of, all right, cool, this is our one common goal for this year, for example. Once we complete that, we can then think about the next thing. And I think for me, as a young person, being one of the youngest in the room, it was just like, one, thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk <laughs> on a panel, that was crazy. Always. But two, it was just the thing of like, yeah, we. I speak about, like, if you can't see it, you can't believe it kind of thing. And I think everyone or a lot of people think of that statement in retrospect to just playing, right? But for me, it was around, there's so many other roles in football and it's about opening those doors and then allowing also that thing of like a generation. All of you guys are like the generation of my parents, for example. And it was like, if my parents, obviously young, not I'm you. Young, I'm young, I'm young. Not you, not a young parent. Mate, you're, very, very mate, young you're parent. disrespecting that a cocoa butter. Mate, come on. I've come to share butter now. You've <laughs> no, you, you made yeah. me have Nivea right now. Bring it, bring it back. <laughs> uh, other people in the room, for example, like they're the generation of my parents. And I think if my parents were to be in that room, like I remember having a conversation with my dad being like, dad, like I can make something in this industry. And him being like, yeah, no, whatever. Like just brushing it off straight away. But if they were to be in that room and to hear the stories of everyone being like no we've had this journey obviously it wasn't the easiest but we've been able to get here they would they will now have more Mm. faith Mm. in Mm. my journey they'll be like cool it's a Mm. bit unconventional but you can do this if you put your work i think that's what is that what's difficult earth like in terms of like your parents not seeing it Mm. so how can they believe that your you as their daughter can achieve you know what what sometimes looks like the impossible because there's no representation of that so that you're going out there on your own wanting to be that driver or being that first of whatever but your parents are like it doesn't happen for people like us because they can't see it happening for people like you so that must be even harder for them to go i'm going to put my my full trust and support into something that 
they don't see because the last thing you want to. is for your child to fail right mm-hmm. like you're gonna do everything beyond like to avoid that situation i think yeah like for them to be able to see it it then changes perspectives but i think it then leads into the role of like youth workers for example and youth coaches and community leader leaders to then also have those conversations because i can imagine you mm-hmm. must have had mad conversations with some parents being like no, your child can do this. We can work together to make this dream possible kind of thing. A hundred percent. And sometimes they think it's just me. And I think the importance of it like- It is just you at times. <laughs> I, used to, I always used to think it's just Erfa. Like Erfa yeah. is the girl I'm or the woman now. I, 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 pr- I, promise, I promise you it's not. And I guess like for like BFP, it is about that representation. It is about that sort of social change and, and sort of educating others. And I think the important thing in, t- in terms of the partnership piece is there were allies in the room. It's well, We're not going to be able to do this yeah. by ourselves, but actually you need to be able to give us both the access and the opportunity to get the real data, mm. to actually hear what it's about and how we can find solutions. And I guess for me, a question for you, Deborah, is before the event last this week, mm. Had you seen that level of excellence of of people in in that room? Because just before you mentioned that, there was a, someone said was kind of pointing someone out to me, and I was like, "Look behind, you know that the black guy." And we turned around, everyone was black. It was like, we're black guy. <laughs> but usually in some way, like Finally, Parliament, yeah. it's like you'll be able to point out like the yeah, person they're talking guy, about. Yeah. But there was the woman. Yeah, it, it, there was everyone was black, and it was like which black guy? It was yeah. like there's thirty black people mm. behind. There was like, oh my gosh, look, that's wow. so you'd never have that in a normal setting especially not in parliament but yeah back to you in terms of like a space like that it's wild when you say that because i think i was i've been thinking about it a lot recently especially after i think i think i'm always looking at music as an example for example the stormzy video that you dropped big mic mic. (laughs) crazy and i was like wow like the music scene has really been like dominated by our community you know what I'm saying so and I think it's been a real game changer in that sense but I think coming into that room I remember walking in I walked in with Tyra and I was like oh you know automatically you get that sense of like it's parliament you get that imposter syndrome you're like oh I don't know how I'm feeling right now like (laughs) I was wearing my trainers I was just like yeah this is a bit different but then I walked in and we were like, cool, get ready. Like we were getting our pass, we were going through security. I was like, here we go. Like, <laughs> and then all of a sudden we started walking in and there was more people. I think we were walking just bef- behind Akin Femwa and I was like, oh, like this is a bit crazy. And then we got to the door and I could just hear noise. I was like, I'm at home. <laughs> we just hear loud talk and I was like, yes, this is it. And then we walked in straight away. You're seeing faces that you recognize that like I saw Troy straight away. I was like, wow. Then I saw you. And then it was like, cool. I felt safe straight away because mm-hmm. I'd met, I'd seen these people before. But then I was like, oh, there's actually a whole new network of people that I could network with that I was like, these people are on the same journey as me. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it was really powerful because I think sometimes you can get caught in this idea of like moving in silos. Like you were saying, Farah, sometimes it always mm-hmm. seems like it's just Earthwa. Like mm-hmm. you can get lost in just being siloed because you're like, cool, this is what I need to do. But walking into that room and seeing everyone now, it's like, this is a community and we are working together. And I think that was a beautiful moment. Amazing. I know, we, I know we ain't got a lot of time. So I guess the next thing for us, just in terms of our next BFP event, and hope everyone's invited, look out for the invite. We BFP have to, stands for what again? Black Footballers Partnership. We were going to bring the jerk pan and we're going to have some bun and cheese. I'm there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If the food's there, I am I'm there. there. <laughs> Literally. I couldn't make it this time, but if the food's there, I'm there. I knew there was no food. <laughs> <laughs> Mum weren't bringing out the <laughs> 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 I was like, you're not getting me, man. <laughs> oh.
I was sad to miss it too. Uh, next one. Next we, next we, one. We, we will always have a next one. So yes. watch watch this space. But so, yeah, yeah, I think it's been a, a good conversation. And yeah, look, I'm looking forward to see what I guess this country can produce. Obviously, we've got people like Lauren um, coming up. We've got Lauren Ebony James. Salmon. Lauren James, yeah. Ebony Salmon. Yeah. Um, who else we got? We've got Naz at, mm. at Tottenham. There's, there's loads of players to sort of look at. Um, coming through Shania Hales at um, Bristol City is doing some some good work as well. So, yeah. yeah, just more broadly, Eartha, before you you know wrap it all up. But in terms of Black History Month, it's great that we do celebrate during the month. Mm-hmm. But moving forward, how can we integrate all of this into football and our lives? And what can everybody do to to make sure that we do have diversity and black people are not just included, but leading in these spaces as well. Yeah, for, for me, I don't, it's not really Black History Month that I celebrate. I'm black every day. I'm blackly black. <laughs> 300 what? Are you? Every, every day. Um, I, I think for that. us, it's about, I guess, blackly having, black, uh, blackly black. <laughs> <laughs> having the opportunity uh, to um, always said that just from, from yeah, young, from celebrate. Things, There's yeah. so much excellence. Yeah. Like we have to be able to, to share it and it inspires other, but also, like we said, it educates. And sometimes it could be like a, awkward conversation because it's not the norm when are we going to get to a space where it's just normal it's just a player yeah like this is the best team that we can have and I, I say I just kind of look back to the Euros and people are like where are the black players in the England team and I'm like on the French it's not team them, you know, <laughs> on the French team and like, for me it's not necessarily about having more black players it's about having the best players and how do we make sure that actually everyone has the opportunity to be the best player and if they're black then the black great we're going to inspire other people if they're I've seen a, a girl a player in the NWSL who has one arm like again yeah. in terms of the representation like we Thank need you. the best players playing for our country we need the best players on show whether they're black white however they identify and yeah we need to be able to celebrate them as just great footballers I think uh, it's it's recognising isn't it the the the, bar- the barriers that are in the way of, of stopping because we just think that for example we think oh we need to just go in and provide access in mm-hmm. terms of putting a, a pitch and, and yeah. some coaches but that mightn't be the only reason that is stopping mm-hmm. black women or, or whatever or young girls going to the centre mm-hmm. to get coached so that's yeah. okay we've ticked one box by actually putting in an area where the ethnic minority there's or, or culturally or whatever there's loads of that the people from from them backgrounds that are there, mm-hmm. but then what is stopping them actually going to access yeah. that? So and we that's don't why that we don't look we don't look so deeper into the issues and, and and what stops parents, as you say, 100%. you know, allowing their kids to go and access these because now the Barclays have invested in terms of putting these centres and hubs in locations where they feel they can best reach out. But now what's stopping these people, young and people, from going? At the end of the day, it's actually just about having time and taking time to really understand the young mm-hmm. people because you can't automatically just assume that. Foot, lacking a lack of football pitch is the reason why, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. the amount of times I have to just have a 20 minute conversation with a young girl to really understand what the barriers she's facing mm-hmm. to stop yeah. her from playing football. It's like, cool, like I have to just take it on the chin that I've got to sit down with this young mm-hmm. girl for 20 minutes, mm-hmm. right? And be like, cool, I might actually not be able to get you onto a pitch this week. But if mm-hmm. I take that time to have that conversation with you, potentially next week, I can have you on a pitch mm-hmm. for 30 minutes, for example. And it's about, yeah, not just being like, cool, we can just throw money at it, create a pitch and just hope that they go mm-hmm. there. It's actually about potentially providing them more opportunity as well. Invite them into the the Premier League office and have mm-hmm. a conversation with them. Like allow their minds to be broadened, like allow them to have the opportunity to experience and understand that it is just be 
it can be beyond your estate block or whatever. Mm. Like it can actually be an experience. And I think that's what it is. Like at the end of the day, it's about time and people willing to spend time understanding. But even educating the, the parents, because yeah. as you say, if, if they don't see it, they're not going to push yeah. their, their daughters or sons or whatever into that mm. community mm. of football, football community, if they don't believe or trust in what, what that process is. So mm. it's under them having an understanding and, and, you know, us as coaches or FA, whoever it might be, mm. actually bringing parents from those communities mm in first to, yeah. to basically try and sell to them the product that they're going to be delivering in terms of the football mm. in the community for their daughters and sons to, to attend yeah. otherwise regardless whether the pitches are there or not you ain't getting sent as a daughter and son because they don't believe in it yeah and I think that's why it's so great the work that you're doing and you as well Ursa at football at football beyond borders and you Ursa at the FA and and your council position as well and your yes, school and <laughs> but really it's that you've lived that experience mm -hmm. you know what it takes you know what's needed and it's so important to have you guys there to be able to help those decision makers to point investment in the right positions to create the structures that are going to include parents mm -hmm. when there's an issue and that type of thing so big up to you both for everything that you're doing and thanks so much for that chat. It was really yeah. good. The research is, it's, uh, just to add, it's so important that we ask the question. We can't assume, and we're, I'm going to say I'm the older generation. <laughs> the, Slash the, the, the previous <laughs> The previous generation, we will have inputs and things that are important, the current people that are in that space and what we're looking to the future. So we have to do some research to get those answers, which is important. Fab. Thank you guys so much for Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. The work that you're doing. All right, changing gears, choo, 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 back into football because we had the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023 Australia and New Zealand official draw. The one that you'll be getting me an earthy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that one. Exactly. All right, so the first thing that happened was I watched the draw at 7.30 in the morning. I then got a flurry of messages from Miss Eartha Sweetie Pond about a specific group. I believe it was Group F, I want to say. Group F. Group is, F. Is vibing. Okay, 100%. give it to me. We got France, we got Jamaica, we got Brazil. We just got the vibe. I know we always talk about, and I know if I I'm surprised you didn't say Group B Earth because Earth has been supporting Ireland for some time. Yeah, <laughs> right there. Ireland, you know, Ireland's in there. You know, I've got my Ireland is my next group down. Okay. Why is that? You just like she Irish just beer? Loves to wipe or me up. I just like to wipe fire up. And um, you know what it is like. I'll, I'll be honest it's so, the leprechauns I know no it's that I just like I've never supported England like I, as a child growing up 
I'll be honest. As a kid, as a kid, as a kid, everybody other than England, I'm going to have this rivalry. I'll tell you why. Because, like, obviously, when you play at quite a high level, I was like, I'm never going to buy an England shirt until I get my first cap until right. I get my own English shirt and then I can be you support me and then I can support things <laughs> never right. got an England cap so I've never supported England <laughs> and my other one it, the next one down is Ireland because my grandparents are from a country called Montserrat which has a big right. Irish heritage so they I think they celebrate St. Patrick's yeah, Day said, bigger yeah, than yeah, the bigger. Irish yeah. so it's like in the Caribbean it's like a massive celebration it's the one thing that happens throughout the year so after England it's Ireland so that's why I've always supported Ireland Gotcha. So, there we go. Honestly, okay. from from day like from young, from like, like 10, I've got so like, much island shirts. Honestly. Like I buy the island shirts. So are you? Yeah. You want tickets then as well to Group B? Is that what you're saying? Australia, Ireland, Republic of Ireland, Nigeria, and Canada. I thought the opening game she'd want a ticket for Ireland, Australia, but she obviously doesn't. No, Ireland, Australia. That's, that's big. That's just it's parties. A big game. That's big. Yeah, it's gonna happen. Like we're gonna. Ireland's gonna pip Australia to to the win. <laughs> Katie, if you're listening, make sure you round up the troops. I'm still waiting for my Ireland shirt of Kate McCabe. <laughs> so if you're listening, Kate, and I hope you are as a good power of mine, you better get that orange Ireland shirt. I need to me. one as well, but just size up, not your size. Just bring it up a couple of sizes. Um, but yeah, but definitely, I think I was just saying that, like we talked about Holland and how they bring the vibes and like mm-hmm. they come, mate. If Jama- I don't know if Jamaicans can get across to Australia, New Zealand, but if they could, <laughs> the vibes would be. Can- because it's just like when we look at the sort of the economic stuff and actually yeah. sometimes in those countries there are people of that heritage who already lived there or who's migrated I don't think there's many Jamaicans who's gone to mm. Australia or New Zealand or, or lived there but in terms of the vibes back home like yeah. it'll be great to see them sort of stretched and channeled like we talk about the CONCACAF and now we're, yeah. we're looking at France who are like really really dominant Brazil like it's just going to be so much vibes I think no matter which team's playing. It's so just we should about just good all go fly to Jamaica to watch the games from Group A. Therefore, we'll be doing that if it doesn't get to Australia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I told her, if I don't get to Australia, then yeah, we need to go to Jamaica. If not, I'll be on the Elizabeth line with my Wi-Fi watching the games. It'll be, <laughs> it'll be, it'll be one of those. But yeah, I'll be watching either way. But yeah, really excited by the draw. Um, Ireland and then obviously... Group F is my, gotcha. is my go-to. Group D is the, the, the group that we should be focusing on. Uh, come on, Group D. In, yeah, England's group. Go ahead then. Yeah. Go yeah. Ahead. No, I think. I mean, I think we've got a, a, a nice. No, I wouldn't say easy group, but we've got a, a tidy group there in in China and Denmark, and yeah. and one other. Um, hate is it Haiti? I can't remember the three teams that England potentially could play. Um, in that group, but yeah, in terms of Denmark, I think they're they're a team that, in Europe, they they've kind of drifted away a little bit from when they got to the the final of the Euros a few years back. Um. They don't seem to be the team that they once were. Mm. So I think England have, have certainly leapfrogged them massively since since then. And China in transition. Um, mm. a young China's team. been in transition for yeah, like 10 years t- now. Yeah, like. I mean, 10 years. Yeah, to be fair, 2015, yeah, I would say, I would no, seven years, 2015, around that World Cup time. But they had a lot. Of, it's difficult. They're a, they're, they're a technical team. Most of the Asian teams are quite technical. Um, we, we rarely play against, you know, teams from, from Asia. Um, so it will be a test. Mm. But um, I think, as I say, in terms of the levels England are now at, I think, you know, it will be after the group stages that will become difficult for England. Yeah. So it's Group B is that playoff winner, which for those of you guys don't who don't know, in February in that international window, there's going to be a playoff. So Group B is um, composed of Chile, Senegal and Haiti. So England will be playing against one of those three teams. Um, New Zealand is going to be participating in that tournament as well, which I find a little bit strange, if I'm honest, that 
in that group um, or in this tournament New Zealand's going to be playing, um, which could mean that they take points off of some of these teams who could be qualifying for the World Cup. So I didn't really understand the playoff tournament, but if someone can explain it and why they're doing it in that way better than I can, please let us know at hashtag BBBpod. <laughs> um, but yeah, what did you think of, of the draw, Deb? Yeah, I'm excited. I think the England group will be an exciting time. I feel like off the back of the Euros, everyone's got their eyes on England. It'll be a moment for them to, yeah, really step up to the to the stage and really demonstrate what they can do. Um, and I think that will be like an inspiring moment. Um, I'm interested to see the United States versus um, Netherlands. Mm-hmm. I think that will be a solid, solid game in that group. Um, and then obviously uh, for the vibes... In group F, man, come on. Um, Yeah, from Jamaica myself. So I know that would be a special moment. Um, And yeah, I'm excited. Bunny Shaw. She could take it. She could do a madness. So yeah, fingers crossed um, for that one. Yeah, I was asking Sadella Marley, who is the ambassador of the reggae girls, as you guys know. So she's Bob Marley's daughter and was funding that team Mm -hmm. for many, many years and and still is. Um, And I was just chatting to her a couple of days ago, asking if they were going to make it down. They said they're not sure. So you guys might be able to organize a party together somewhere in Jamaica or England. Or maybe we can get out here. I'm up for it. Any type of party. uh, (laughs) I'm I'm ready. I've got the rum ready, right, Farah? Yeah. Oh, my God. The rum. Heffa gave me some 80% rum at Carnival. Honestly, she was trying to kill me, I think. She tried <laughs> to tell me to shot this rum. Absolutely not. She had a gold. You know, oh. I had a, yeah. Going back to the tournament, it's interesting that actually FIFA have turned down some of the broadcasting bids. Yeah. Saying mm-hmm. that they're, they're, they're not big enough in terms of the representation of where the women's game's at now off the back of the Euro. So that'll be interesting going into the summer next year. And, and so what, you're not what on the plane yet? Not yet. Oh, not mate. yet. BBC not yet. I know. I know. So that's interesting that they've turned down some broadcasters mm, for, yeah. for wanting more. I mean, of course, you want the tournament to to excel what, what had happened in the Euros. You want it to, to be far better and greater and bigger than the Euros. That was a great platform that they've now given the women's game to go on and achieve, you know, better things. But yeah, yeah. it's interesting. But, I mean, when, when I it's was... interesting. It's the first time. Sorry, sorry no, to Bex, but it's just it's frustrating because for so many years, like... You know, these these broadcasters have been there, especially for the from the UK, mm. you know, trying to drive and push mm. the, the women's game and give them that platform. And now all of a sudden FIFA want to go, well, you're not giving them enough. So, yeah, that's money. quite frustrating. Yeah, money. Yeah. Of course, it's money when it comes to to these. Uh, yeah, I won't say it, but whatever. <laughs> you can say keep it. My, it's keep fine. my mouth closed. But no, it's there, just, you know? yeah, it's frustrating <laughs> because these people have really supported when the game was nowhere. Yeah. And they've done a great job in the summer with the women's Euros to yeah. then be trying to tell them that in terms of what they're they're putting I, forward now isn't enough is, I think is quite that's frustrating. A, it's a really, really interesting topic. And because you're in media, I think we will definitely t- touch on it later on as well as probably a bigger pod um, throughout the series. But back when I was working at FIFA and we were looking at, let's say, the 2015 World Cup, the one that was hosted in Canada, that was some of the discussions we were having were around, do you give it to the free to air? Because we just need to build that audience, which is still in some cases, you mm. know, you look at YouTube right now for the Women's Champions League, League, mm-hmm. still need to build that audience right because people aren't used to going there and now you know only two editions later down the road they're they're turning that's down what I mean. and you wonder because here in the barclays it still um, needs building WSL, that's, what I'm, that's what my point is yeah. is that in the wsl here that was when they made that deal with sky and bbc it was specifically for that mm-hmm. you know you still have bbc which is you're going to turn on your free to air tv mm. you're going to bring in a lot of audience that way just naturally and then you can put some of it behind a paywall but where we are now in the women's game is such an interesting topic i mm-hmm. think it is 
Yeah. I would like to say that I'm very excited about New Zealand's group. Norway, obviously a very strong team. Philippines, less strong, um, but really great to see Are them. Are you basing it off the 8-0 the, uh, defeat in the Euros to Norway being very strong? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, to get that do you in. know what? To be really fair, it would be really interesting to actually talk about that game because for me, if they hadn't given that penalty, which wasn't a penalty in the beginning of the game, I just wonder how if it had would have gone a bit differently. I don't know. But I if you really ask Serena, like, do you know what she'll tell you? What would she say? That the Netherlands also beat them in their last game against Norway 8-0. And they did the exact same game plan. Oh so she wasn't surprised gosh. one bit by the result. That's madness. Crazy. I didn't, I didn't know so that. I'm excited about after. New Zealand, Norway. <laughs> is <laughs> what I was saying. Oh, because you're hoping for a big scoreline from New Zealand yeah, in course. the opening game. Of course. Of course. Yeah. We want New Zealand. I thought you meant it would be tough. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 what you're no, saying. No. I get it now. No, no, no. Uh, Philippines, I'm, I reckon we could do that. And Switzerland, I think, is still a team that is a really good team. They were decent. I thought they were good in the women's Euros. They have great players. You know, the Ramona Bachmanns, the Leaveltis that we mentioned from Arsenal. Um, but I think, it, I think it's doable for New Zealand to finally get out of a World Cup freaking group. <laughs> the only time we've ever done it was when we played the London Olympics and we got to the quarterfinals mm -hmm. and then we met the USA who then went on to win the Olympics. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for New Zealand, who's obviously partial host of this tournament, to be able to get out of the group and just have a little bit of home turf advantage, which we've never, ever had, yeah. because like you say, who wants to fly all the way down to New Zealand? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think it, it could be quite massive for the country. Surely being co-host gives yeah. you that extra spark like like it did for England in the Euros, right? I I hope so. I mean, I think New Zealand is certainly putting a lot into the tournament. And like you said, only half of it is going to be hosted there. But in the group stages, the teams that start in New Zealand will stay in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. So either you either mm -hmm. get a New Zealand group or Australia group. Um, and I think those teams that are in New Zealand are pretty lucky because it is genuinely one of the most beautiful countries in the world. I might be a little bit biased yeah, there. I know you're looking at me, but if you've been there, if you need to go there, you should go. We need, we need, we need to see it for ourselves. Do you reckon, do you reckon that in terms of being, as you said, a part host nation, that your fans can really help? As you said, they've not come out of a, a group <clears throat> in, the, in the World Cup before. Do you reckon that could play a big part in... Because where's the New Zealand team at in terms of, you know, player in terms of... three, I think, in the world. Sorry, in terms of, yeah, where as in the group of players, are they in a good place? Like, are they... Not are they really. somebody, that's, that's what I mean, because I don't, yeah, there's no. not really no I'm standouts not, that I can yeah, off the top of my head Rhea, think about. Yeah, Percival's at Tottenham, but yeah. had a really bad knee injury, injury so questionable if she'll be coming back. Betsy Ali come back, Riley, right? Betsy, Betsy come back out of retirement. Um, Did, Betsy Hassett, yeah. yeah, she's been playing. Sarah Gregorius yeah. was in and out of in retirement, out. but now she's at FIFA Pro. Um, Ali Riley's the captain of Angel City, but, you know, kicking on, yeah, just, you know. Mm. So, yeah, it, like in terms of star players, uh, I have Abby Urseg, who plays at North Carolina Courage, mm -hmm. center back, um, who actually is doing very well over there in the NWSL. But it's a, it's a young team, and the biggest issue really is that team coming, coming through. through. They mm. just, the grassroots, the lack of programs, um, they really need to do more because, you know, not seeing the lack of players coming through um, in mass, and that's what you need to have that competitiveness. Uh, I think it, yeah, they're in trouble. And I remember talking to um, Sermani, Tom Sermani, at the, about that at the time, about just ahead of the last Women's World Cup mm -hmm. in 2019. And he was saying there's just no grassroots program. There's I was no going to say, because what, what was the coach there that was uh, the one who went on? He's now Canadian national team manager. John Herdman. John Herdman. Oh, and yeah. then he had, obviously, Beth Priestman as the, yep. the youth coach there. And they right. had a good, real good setup and identity as a, as a nation. 
And then as soon as he moved on to the Canadian team, it seemed to like yeah. what happened to New Zealand it, from, from that moment. That's it. I mean, that, competitive that's nation, it And now it feels like they're... Yeah. And John, what John was so good at, it was... was coming with a strategy and mm -hmm. implementing a strategy. And we talk, we, we all talk about this a lot. Your work at mm -hmm. the FA now as under 23 coach and your work at the FA and what you're doing as well, Deb, even with the strategy of getting, you know, more kids into playing, more diverse kids as well. That if you don't have that strategy to be able to go and get the funding and mm -hmm. know where it needs to go to create those mm -hmm. pathways for the, for the kids, it just doesn't happen by itself. It just doesn't. Football's super popular, but it does not create itself. Yeah, and then what the, what just happens is the best players just go elsewhere, and then yeah. so all your all the top players you've mentioned don't play anywhere near New Zealand. There's That's no right. idols to look up to. There's no one kind of wanting girls wanting to get into the game because they can see it in their local grassroots football. So I hope. We talk about New Zealand, but in terms of England as well, that we don't mm -hmm. fall into that trap because when we mm -hmm. talk about actually how much English players play in the Barclays WSL, like start in and are being inspirational, or are they just sitting on sitting on the bench? And then the next generation, the next wave, they need to play. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have top clubs who actually snap them up because they can, and then they're sitting on the bench, and then they're not being developed. What will happen is other nations who are playing, you look at Barcelona, how much of the Spanish team play domestically every mm -hmm. single yeah. week. So a they're lot. domestically, yeah. they're playing internationally, they're playing internationally in England, they're playing, but domestically less and less because the league's so attractive. There's players coming from all around the world. Yeah. So, yeah. And a big, big piece of that is what you've mentioned in Farah, where your expertise is as well as the broadcast. Mm. And I was talking to Wolfsburg three weeks ago about this particularly, that they had a player uh, who specifically said that she went to Barcelona because her family, who's Swedish, couldn't watch her play in Wolfsburg. And in Barcelona, they could get the broadcast, they could watch it. And so for her, you know, having a broader presence, a more higher profile, more visibility was one of the reasons, not the main reason why she left Wolfsburg. So that broadcast and visibility piece is massive. But anyway, World Cup, very exciting. Everybody come down to New Zealand. And if you want to hop over to Australia, you can do that too. <laughs> Um, but I think it's going to be it's going to be big. And the Kiwis are very, very friendly people and very welcoming. So I'm sure you'll be welcomed. I can't, very I can't well. wait to get there. Yeah. Nice one. In your suitcase. In my suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you my FIFA suit, the old one. Oh, you can see if you can get in anywhere. I want, I want to get into. I'll have to wear that backwards. Take that night ball bag and just pop and get on Zip myself up. Yeah. Oh, gosh. They know. All right. So that's it for the World Cup draw. Let us know what you guys think, though. And moving on just quickly to the NWSL, because we had the semifinal results come through. Big games, big NWSL attendances, continuing to break the records. Portland Thorns um, hosted one of the largest playoff crowds in NWSL history, actually, with over 22,000. And in the final, we have Kansas City versus Portland on October 29th in Washington, D.C. You mentioned Carson Pickett. She was the, the player that had has a disability. She's featured throughout the season and done really well and is playing for the U.S. national team as well. So any thoughts on the NWSL? I mean, are these record-breaking crowds, are they going to be sort of competing with anything that we're doing over here in the Barclays WSL? You guys worried that... I'm not really worried. I think a, a shout out for me. I think Casey Stoney over at San Diego has done done really really well, um, especially as a new franchise um, to go mm. on and, and and get to that semi final. I think was amazing, um, and I think yeah. I, I don't know if Kansas City Leon was a, a I mean Rain was a shock result. 
because uh, obviously they're mm. predicted to to get to the final. But right. again, it's you have to turn up on the day. It's eleven v eleven, and Kansas did what they needed to do. And yeah, looking forward to two zero even. Yeah, yeah, seeing seeing the final. Yeah, no Megan Rapino in the final, and and no Alex Morgan from mm-hmm. San Diego Wave. You're right in the final. Any thoughts, Farah? No, I just think I. I mean, I haven't really tracked the NWSL if I'm if I'm deadly honest. But you obviously see results and and the, and the crowds, and I'm, I'm wondering if. You know, the US, they like they like to be, you know, the best at everything, don't they? And they've started <laughs> yes. to see that actually the English crowds are the record-breaking crowds that we're having over here, both international fixtures and, yeah. and domestic fixtures that they're, they're trying to compete now because they want to be, you know, up there with the, with the English fans. So it's it's great. It's great to see that, you know, they're, they're breaking records out there as well. It's, it's great for the yeah. game. So, yeah, big final coming up. Nice one. It's so interesting as well, just to add, just on the idea of like, I remember growing up, the dream was to always go over to the States to play mm. football. But I feel like with the journey of the, yeah, the uh, WSL and the investment that people are putting into it, I feel like we can slow, we can slowly start to see, or I hope to slowly start to see that that narrative starts to change. And like girls go through, they get that passion of grassroots football. They get that passion, they nurture it. They get fine coaches that really support them. And then they just go on that journey of actually staying in England and playing in WSL. I feel like that is what excites me. Like, I feel like we're slowly going on that journey of changing the narrative, which is exciting. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So no one's competitive in this room between the US and England, right? No, none of us, we're all happy. (laughs) Nice. Fab. (laughs) All right. Well, that pretty much sums up our chat today. It was only about four hours. (laughs) Um, But no, it was really good. It was super important. Thank you so much, Deborah, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Really good. Um, and we have a new feature. It's going to be hashtag ask BBB pod. Send us your questions. Let us know what you guys want us to chat about. Uh, specifically, if you want any inside scoop on anything that Eartha Farah and I can give you, we may or may not do that. In any case, always will do I it. will. <laughs> <laughs> Send them my way. I'll do it. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. <laughs> All right, so that's it for this week. Again, send us your questions on hashtag AskBBBPod, and that's it for us this week. Thanks again, Deb. See you next week. Bye. Ciao. Bye. Bye. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.